You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Uh, 20 years ago, I know it's hard to believe I, I'm super youthful looking, but 20 years ago, I stumbled in this room. This is actually the first youth group I ever came to in my journey with Jesus. I walked in and... Uh, immediately met the youth pastor who I didn't know was a youth pastor, he was just some adult, and I was like, what's the deal? And he knew my name somehow, and it super freaked me out. Um, but somehow I kept coming back. So this church is a really special place in like my faith journey. It's the first place I stumbled into and, and watched people worship and watched people talk about Jesus, and I was like, what in the world? And somehow now I get to speak to all of you guys, which is crazy that God does that. We just heard about, uh, how, many, how many of you guys can name the three people in the, the, the monologue? By the way, great job, Sarah, right? Loved it. Three characters, who are they? Mary. We got Mary, right? Who else? David? David? Esther. Why did all the girls know Esther right off the bat and all the guys were like, and third one? All three incredible characters, all three incredible characters at a young age had the boldness, the courage, and the obedience to follow God telling them, I want you to do this. And they were like, okay, okay. And they ended up being world changers, like changed the world. I'm looking out at a whole room full of potential world changers. And the only thing really standing in the way from you changing your world around you, the people, your family, the community, is your willingness to be courageous, to be bold, and to be obedient to whatever God puts on your heart. Amen? Okay, we're going to hear about one more character tonight, and we're going to talk about a guy named Timothy. We're going to talk about Timothy, who was a, really a church planter in a city called Ephesus. Anybody know where Ephesus is on a map? Nobody does, right? See? Nobody. It's, it's really located in modern-day Turkey, which is kind of like the gateway to Asia, right? So in this old world, it's really this crazy port city that people were, were stopping in and out of for a few days. It's a city where there's a lot of anonymity. Like, people don't really know each other. It's not a community of everybody, like, building a community. Everybody knows each other's names. It's a place where just people are in and out all the time, and it's a place that a lot of crazy stuff happened. And I don't mean crazy like, oh my God, God did this and God didn't know. I mean like crazy stuff as in like neon lights crazy. Right, what happened in Ephesus stayed in Ephesus. You guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, that's Ephesus. This is this place that they, they had a, a God for everything and they prayed to a different thing and they paid money to a different thing and they went in different rooms to do different things and you're like, oh man. Timothy gets to start a church in Ephesus. Anybody want that job? Whoo. His, his mentor, his hero, and one of the really heroes of the modern faith is still, a guy who wrote a, a great number of the, the New Testament, a guy named Paul was his mentor. Walked with him, poured into him, trained him, helped him, and then said, hey, you know what, Timothy, I'm sending you here. Anybody had anybody that's believed in them? There's a power in belief. When somebody walks alongside you, hey, I see something in you that you might not even see. That's how I'm where I am. I never, ever wanted to go into ministry in my whole life. I had no plan of that. I was like, no, I want to play sports. And then if that doesn't work, I want to still play sports. And then I guess backup plan would be coach sports. That's, that's me. Anybody else like that And right now? Anybody? If we're honest. I mean, one, I saw like one hand that's like, Makai, thank you. They're at least honest about it. Everybody else is like, if I raise my hand, they'll all know that's all I care about. That's who Alan was in high school. 
Okay, and then somehow somebody at one point walked along and said, hey, have you ever thought about sharing your story a little bit into following Jesus? And I was like, no. I'm like, well, you're going to stand up in front of 400 people and share your story. And I was like, no. A mentor of mine called me into it, trained me, and then sent me. And now 17 years later, I'm still in ministry, which is crazy. So we got the neon lights. we got the place that you really don't want to be a pastor. And Timothy's a pastor. And then one time we're looking at him and he goes, you know what? Here you are in Ephesus. And we have two letters from Paul to Timothy that we're going to talk about tonight. The first one is really him, him building him up. And he's, first Timothy is filled with a lot of like kind of how-tos. And here's what you're going to do. And here's what you're going to stay away from. And here's what you're going to teach people. And here's how you're going to be courageous. And here's how, really kind of the instruction manual that, that Paul gave Timothy and as he sent him, he said, hey, go. And in 1 Timothy 4.12, it, it reads this. <clears throat> Sorry, 4.7 through 12. I'm old. It says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. So we're in Ephesus, and he's calling out immediately, like, hey, I know where you are. I know what's around you. But have nothing to do with that. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this, we labor and strive. Basically, Paul's saying this is the whole point. We labor and strive that we, put, we, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men and women and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. So he doesn't just pump him up with this information. He tells Timothy, this is what you're gonna tell everyone. Here's your sermon, week in and week out, with the transient crowd, with the ins and outs, and the people you don't know. You need to tell them this news because it will change their life. And 4.12, a lot of us have probably heard this before. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for all the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Man, there's a lot in that. And at some point, Timothy's in this, and discouragement had to have come. He's walking around people that want nothing to do with God. He's walking around people that are making decisions that are dangerous, that are hurting them, that are totally off the deep end. Anybody been there? Anybody have friends that are there? Anybody struggling with that discouragement of going, yeah, you know what, <laughs> I'm here or my friends are here or you have no idea about my mom or dad or brother, I'm still there with people in my life. Discouragement happens All often and it's, it's hard. We look at our lives, we look at people we care about, with people that are in our, our life, it, the world's a mess. I don't have to stand up here for much longer and, and convince any of us that the world is a mess. Anybody? I mean, we just turn on the news. You, you check out Twitter. You look at Instagram. There's people dying left and right for awful reasons. The world sucks. Sorry, it's recorded. But it does. The world's a disaster. The world is for sure not how God intended it. Anybody disagree with that? Cool, we'll move on. But what do we do? We heard about David and Esther and Mary. What do we do? How do we weather that storm? We're young, right? Youth is used as an excuse to either be crazy 
or lazy. It's really the only two things we use. Ah, I'm young. Okay, so you're being lazy. I'm young. Okay, now you're being crazy. That's the two things we've got. What if Mary would have done that? We'd all be done for still, right? What if David would have done that? I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesus, who's our Savior, came from the line of David. So he's not just a world changer. He's an eternity. He changed our world. He changed our eternity by a decision he made. We're, we're, just, uh, we're just one youth group. We're just one church in Pomona. We're just whatever you're just. Have you thought about this? You're, you're just what God has always and still desires to use. You. Everybody look at your neighbor. So your neighbor is the person next to you on either side. So everybody look at your neighbor. Say neighbor. Let's try that again. So when, you, when I say, like, look at your neighbor, you look at your neighbor and then you say the word neighbor out loud. So everybody look at your neighbor. Say neighbor. God wants to use you. Everybody say, neighbor. Are you ready? Okay, the decision's on you. It's up to you. It was up to Timothy. Timothy could have said, hey, Paul, this is cool. This is great. I'm glad you poured into me. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you trained me. I'm glad you see something in me that I don't. I'm glad you believe in me, but I'm not sure I want to go to Ephesus. If he doesn't go to Ephesus, then there's not a church in the port city, this pivotal place that really transfers the whole world. Everybody that comes in and out of there got to experience Jesus because of Timothy. Timothy could have said this. He could have said, you know what, Jesus is amazing. You know what he did? He was, wow. And he could have stopped and just marveled at who Jesus was and what he did and let it end there. Is that anybody? It's not a bad thing to marvel at Jesus and what he did, but I don't think it's a good thing to stay there. Everybody get that? We've got to stop marveling at what Jesus did and train to do the same thing he did, to live in the same way he did, to go out and love people the same way he did, to go out and carry the good news to the ends of the earth like he commanded us. Anybody know that's a command? Look at your neighbor say, neighbor. That's a command. I know, now everybody's weirded out and making you talk to each other. Community. So now let's see how, how, how Timothy handled this, right? He's in this really hard place. He's in the a really tough situation, he's discouraged, and instead of really looking how Timothy handled it, let's see how Paul equipped Timothy to handle it, right? He gave him those words, and he pours into him, and he says, hey, set an example. How can you guys set an example in, in speech and in, in life and love and purity? How can you do that if you don't have an example yourself? You guys get what I'm saying there? So Paul is, is Timothy's example. Like all of us, Jesus is our example. We want to look at Jesus. But if, if we just try to figure out Jesus all on our own, completely without any experience, that's kind of hard. Okay, so Paul was like Timothy's small group leader. How many of you guys have a small group leader? How many of you guys after tonight are going to get a small group leader? That's everybody else's hands go up. If you're a small group leader, how many of you guys have somebody that pours into you? Everybody's hands go up because that's Eric's job. Eric, who pours into you? You have somebody. Raise your hand. So all of us need someone. All of us need someone to be our example. To say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus and, and I want you to follow me. Come on, let's learn. Let's do this together. I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to see things in you that you can't see. I'm going to send you out to places you don't think you should go. Boom. Right? So you need to have an example. You've got to have an example before you can be an example. 
Okay, so the whole thing is, is like five things that you can do now to change the world. Your first thing is to find an example that you can follow as you follow Jesus so that you can learn to live just like Jesus. Everybody got that? Everybody say neighbor. neighbor. Be like Jesus. Everybody again say neighbor. neighbor. You're going to help me. Okay, so here we go. You got to find an example. You got to be an example. See, we're, we're sailing right through. We'll be done in like five minutes. Maybe. So in speech, there's a, there's a quote. Brendan Manning is a, an author in an old band called DC Talk. Right now I'm talking to like the, all the leaders that are like, yeah, DC Talk. All the kids are like, what? It doesn't matter. Go look it up. It's great. At the beginning of one of their songs, it has this quote. It says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out of the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So in speech and in life, or in other translations, it says speech and conduct. Speech and conduct. Here we go. So you guys can all say, hey, in here, in these walls, in this room, with this music and all of this, ah, Jesus, yeah, love him. He's awesome. And then as soon as you walk out, depending on how you live your life, you're going to speak something completely different. Or you can choose to speak the same thing. Everybody get what I'm saying? Speech and in conduct. You guys, how we live our lives speaks volumes. And it either confirms or denies what we say. In love. It says, this is how we know what love is. This is 1 John 3, 16 to 18. If you've got your Bible. You guys, by the way, bring your Bibles. Mark them up. Circle things. Highlight things. Underline things. If you're anything like me, right when I walk out this door, I'm going to forget all the references that somebody came up and said. And I'm going, that was cool. And then by the time I get in my car and I get home, and I'm going, oh, I think I like the message. Oh, well. So 1 John 3, 16 to 18, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love with words, well, not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And you guys, it's, it's an interesting wording there. It says, Jesus Christ laid down his life. So I'm not asking you guys, HSM, to go out and die for your friends. But I kind of am. I don't want you to die a physical death. Jesus already did that. There's no point in you guys doing that again, unless you're seriously standing in front of a gun and saying, I will take it for you. If God calls you to that, it's amazing. But I don't think he's going to call a lot of you to that. But I guarantee you he's going to call a lot of you to, hey, you know what? On Instagram, stand up for Jesus. Lay down your, uh, your pride. Lay down your ego. Lay down your reputation. Lay down a lot of who you are and risk saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to share Christ with my friend because that's how much I love them. Have you thought about this? If Jesus is who he says he is, and if we believe he is who he says he is, he offers us what? What's the big S word? Salvation. If Jesus is the only way and the only thing that offers salvation, and I say I love my friend, but I'm too afraid to tell them about that, do I love my friend? If I'm willing to say, I mean, I hope somebody else tells them. Think about it. Lay down your life. What does that look like? Faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 says that now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
in your faith, set an example that you look at and say, hey, no matter what life throws at me, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what appears to be the hardest, most impossible thing, I look at and go, God, I'm, I'm choosing to trust you right now. So this is all great. This is the beginning of it, right? This is the beginning, sending Timothy out. And he was like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going. And then six years later, the span of six years from First Timothy letter to the Second Timothy letter. I don't know if Paul like wrote him uh, any other letters. Kind of sucks if your mentor is like, hey, go, you're going to be awesome. Writes you this letter and you're like, this is sweet. This is like a, awesome. I love the eight-page letter. He loves me. He's proud of me. He's pouring into me. He's telling me how to do this. And then you're like, dude, it's been a year. It's been two years, three, four, five. And then the sixth year, all of a sudden you're, how much discouragement are you feeling at this point? And there's a clue to it. Second Peter, I'm sorry, Second Timothy. Why is Peter coming in this? Okay, so he wrote to him, and it, this is Paul's very last writing, right? This is his last letter recorded. We know that this is like after this letter. He wrote this letter to Timothy, and then he's done. Life's over. He's dead. So I think these are some special words. And Timothy is, is ready to hear them. But if we just picture Timothy, like let's just say it's a Wednesday night, and, and Wednesday nights is the night he took, and he said, I'm working on my sermons. And he told the whole church, hey, guys, if anybody needs anything, if you want to come in, if you need prayer, you want to talk, I'm, I'm going to be in my office. Just, just come on in. And most Wednesdays, I bet he was alone. And I bet he was working on his sermon. I bet he was just there. And that one night that he heard the shuffling feet and, and a guy just burst open the door and said, hey, 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 Timothy, Timothy? Yeah, that's, that's me. And he hands him the letter and the dude just runs right back out the door. It was the mailman. They had the quickest mailman ever because they had to just run everywhere. Whew. And he hands him this letter, and, and Timothy automatically, he's probably like, I haven't seen a letter from Paul in six years. I'm so excited. And as he's reading through, we get to the second chapter to save you guys some time. And he says, he says, you then, my son. Have you guys ever had a hero that claimed you as like, oh, man, I love you so much. You're like my own son. You're like my child. I love you more than you could ever know. There's two words into this part, and it's like, man, I'm having a moment. It says, be strong. So in this letter, 25 times it says to be strong. If there's something that comes up 25 times, what are you feeling? I don't know how Paul knows this. I don't know if maybe Timothy wrote a letter every month to Paul and then Paul finally returned it. I don't know how he knows, but there's, you guys, there's four chapters in this. And 25 times we hear be strong. You're probably feeling weak. The odds are some of you guys are sitting in this room and you're feeling pretty weak. Life's hard. High school is really difficult. I've been on your campuses, most of you guys. They're tough. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Then he, he talks about three things, and I'm just gonna jump to them so we can pick out some really key points that I think are valuable. And I'm not saying that the, the word is not important, but he, let's just... Let's just read it so Alan doesn't make stuff up. Okay? Right here. It says this. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So he's looking at him and saying, hey, you were sent there. You have a job to do. It's difficult. And I know everybody around you is doing stuff but you have nothing to do with that. What do we know about soldiers? 
What do soldiers are aware of, right? That there's a battle. Would you guys agree with that? So the first thing, if we're going to be soldiers, if Paul's writing to Timothy and saying, I want you to be like a soldier, I want you to realize that you are in a fight. And he's saying, hey, there's a God, yes, but there's also another side, and you're in between that. He wants at you. Don't let him. The other thing a soldier is, a soldier gets orders. Let's just do it this way. What if a soldier decided, hey, uh, All right, guys, everybody pack up your stuff. We're going to go from this foxhole. We're going to go down here about 200 yards. And we're gonna... Nah, I don't want to. I like this foxhole. We're... I'm going gonna... I'm gonna to stay here. How does that go as a soldier? What do you guys think? Never would have come out of their mouth. Right? They would have immediately responded to their commanding officer and just, yes, sir, let's do it. Because they know my commanding officer knows better than I do. And my job is to simply obey. Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, be like a soldier. And then right after this, it says, similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. So let's just pretend for a minute that I know this is a big stretch. Let's pretend for a minute I'm a 400 runner. 400 meters. Anybody ever seen a 400 meter race? It's like one lap around a track for all of you guys who are like, what's 400? So 400 meters. Alan was not built for 400 meters. <laughs> Alan was maybe built for 40 yards. That's That's great. 400 meters, and I take off, and and about 40 meters into it, I look at it and go, I'm not going to be able to win. And I cut right across the middle of the track. (laughs) Boom. And then I break through the tape, and I'm like, woo! That's awesome. Crown me. Let's go. Anybody think I, I deserve that crown? So he's looking at it saying, hey, if you don't put the work in to train, Because what I did is I tried to be a 400 runner. And here's where it comes in, the difference between training and trying, right? How do you know if I'm a track athlete? By wearing the uniform? What, What about like showing up to a track meet? What about just showing up at practice? Is that enough? See, I know somebody's a track athlete by looking at it and going, hey, you understand that there's an end goal, and I see you taking steps and putting work in to reach and achieve that goal. So you train as a track athlete. You train as a football athlete. You, you train in basketball and in soccer and in all athletics. You, you train to get better, right? You don't just go out there. Like, if I've never played baseball before, I'm not going to just walk out to the Dodgers and be like, hey, I'd like to uh, try to be on your team. Right? I mean, maybe the Angels, but not the Dodgers. <laughs> well, sorry. It's like the Angels just give tons of money to everybody on their team. It's amazing. I really would love to play for the Angels. But there's this inherent quality that you have to train to become something. And then we look at our faith and we go, I'm just going to try and be like Jesus real quick. Hold on. Let me, I'm going I'm to try and love this person just like Jesus would. Here's the difference between training and trying. Trying, there are two possible outcomes. If I try to do something, I might actually succeed. The other option is I will not. And when I do not, I look at it and go, ah, oh, see, I can't do it. Now you guys see where I'm going with that? It's like, I'm, I'm going to go love this person like Jesus would. Fail. Ah, oh, screw it, I can't do it. No point. How's your faith doing? It's defeated. It's done. It's empty. 
I can come back and sit in this room as many times as I want. But if I'm not training to be like Jesus, that means I'm going to go out and be like, all right, I'm going to love like Jesus does. I'm going to train to do this. I'm going to train every single day. It takes effort. It takes attitude. It takes repetition. It takes serious work. It takes work behind the doors in your room. It takes work with your family. It takes work with your friends. It takes hanging out with more and more people. Like when you're a high-level athlete, guess who you hang out with? Other high-level athletes. Right? It's just natural. If you don't hang out with high-level athletes and you think you are one, well, maybe they think they are. Okay, and this last one, here we go. It says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on all I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So the farmer, let's just call him Farmer Bill. He's got a big straw hat and he's got overalls and, and a tank top because I feel like that's what a farmer looks like in my brain. If anybody's a farmer and you're offended, I apologize. So we've got a farmer, and in Farmer Bill, the way I know he's a farmer is because he's sitting in a tractor, but he's asleep in the shade. And then all of a sudden, Farmer Bill wakes up, and he's like, hey, <laughs> I'm ready, where's the, where's the harvest? And you're like, Bill, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I'm, I'm ready to harvest, that's what farmers do. And we're like, Bill, did you plant some crops? No. Okay. Did, did you, like, work a field? Did you prepare it? Did you? No. But I got the outfit on, and I'm sitting in a tractor. You guys getting this? And I know it's like funny and humorous, but I look at Bill and I see a lot of me. I don't want to insult you to saying I don't know a lot of you guys, but I think if we're honest, we can see a lot of Farmer Bill in us in the way we assume that God's going to want to do some crazy stuff through our life when all we've done is bought an outfit and sat in a tractor. Training, not trying. Be strong, don't be discouraged. Be like a soldier, be like an athlete, be like a farmer. Put in the work and see what God wants to do. Just like David and Mary and Esther. Little known fact about Mary is that Mary knew the scriptures. And as a teenager back in her day, that was un, unspoken about. She would have had to go to the temple over and over and over and over to memorize scripture. She was training. And then God said, hey, Mary, I got something for you. And guess what? She was ready. How many of you guys want to be ready for what God calls you into? Let me pray. God, thank you for what you uh, did through Timothy's life. Thank you for positioning him in a place that he had to rely on you heavily. God, thank you for the impact that we may never hear about until we get the other side of this world. The way your kingdom is influenced and impacted by Timothy's obedience, his courage, his training. Thank you for people like Paul in our lives that are pushing us, that are believing in us, that see things in us that we don't. But God, more than anything, I pray that we can stop simply marveling at what you have done and understand that you invite us in to train to impact the world just like you did. That you actually desire to do that through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, can we thank Alan?